You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 144. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And today we are going to discuss the key insights and findings from a very recent PMO survey that tells a very interesting story about the challenges PMO leaders are facing, what that data tells us about what is working and what's not, and how you can chart your impact PMO path, both in the short and longer term. Before we dive in, I am so excited to let you know that the PMO Impact Summit is back for 2022. We're changing things up just a bit and hosting this year's event, maybe the first of a couple, on May 3rd and 4th, 2022. I am so excited for this year's lineup because we're doing something super fun this year. We are going to start the two-day event with a PMO health assessment workshop live with me. And in that session, we are going to get hands-on with your PMO and figure out what's working, what's not, where you should focus your energy, and exactly what your next steps should be. As a part of that, we're going to build your custom agenda for the rest of the event. You'll know exactly which sessions you should attend and what your next steps should be so that your PMO is accelerating the impact your organization is able to make. We'll also have live Q&A sessions with speakers and a hands-on workshop for those of you looking to take your PMO and project management capabilities to the next level. So make sure you head over to pmoimpactsummit.com and register today for free so that you can get all of the scoop on what's going on with this year's PMO Impact Summit, May edition. The PMO Impact Summit is the largest and longest running PMO virtual conference specifically designed to help you make a bigger impact with your PMO and build your own PMO leadership capabilities. So if you're ready to make a bigger impact with your PMO this year, Register now for free at PMOImpactSummit.com. There's so much more to come that I will be sharing over the coming weeks leading up to the event, and I cannot wait to see you there. Okay, let's dive in. I am so excited for this particular podcast episode because there's some really cool stuff that we're going to talk about here. And when I read this PMO Outlook report for 2022 and beyond, I was a little bit surprised and then not so much surprised because these are the kinds of things we've been talking about for quite some time now, all of you impact drivers. And I think it's really important that we look at what these insights and findings are telling us, where those trends are and what you need to know and start doing right now to pivot and shift a little away from some of the things that aren't working so well. But also I think it'll be interesting for you to hear what your peers are saying about the challenges that they're experiencing and the problems that are coming up. And then we're going to peel back some of those layers a little and talk about what that really means, what the underlying root causes are of some of those challenges and what you should be doing right now to 
shift the direction so that you can be as high impact as possible in your organization. Now with me today is Rachel Hentges. She is the director of marketing at Keedin. Now Keedin is our partner for our May PMO Impact Summit this year. And we are so excited to partner with them to bring you such high impact content. It's going to be such a great time. So make sure you're registered. If you have not, it is a free event for all of our high impact PMO leaders out there and those that are hoping to be very, very soon. So Rachel is a really important asset to Keaton because she is instrumental in developing engaging industry-related content for all of Keaton's audiences for almost about eight years now. Is that right, Rachel? That's correct. And from these insightful webinars, which I've been a part of with them, I totally love, and industry research reports and everything in between, Rachel is super proud to spearhead a movement to position the PMO as the results-driven organization that your enterprise demands. Now, her work helps PMO leaders and executives alike think differently about how they do business, both today and well into the future. Now, this is my favorite part about Rachel, which is amazing. <laughs> so when she is not working in her day job at Keaton, you can find her chasing after three boys all under the age of three years old. So talk about the ultimate cat herder of cat herders. That is you, Rachel, every day. So you literally live and breathe this stuff of helping figure out how to get everybody moving in the right direction. And in some cases, get out the door to wherever you've got to go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is incredible. So I shared some insights about you and who you are and the kind of cool stuff you're doing. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us about what lights you up about the work that you're doing with Keaton? Nothing too crazy to add, but I think the partnership with you, Laura, has been extremely exciting for us. And I think the event coming up here in a couple of weeks is going to be a huge impact for a lot of your following. Oh, for sure. For sure. And one thing that I love about working with all of you at Keaton is that Every single one of you has been extremely passionate about solving the problems that business leaders and PMO leaders are facing, right? Like from the very first conversations I had with all of you and every conversation we've had over the years, it's always been, how do we help? How do we help this community? How do we give them the education, the resources, the support, the ability, the tools, the techniques to do their jobs easier? And I think that that's huge. And you and I, and Keaton and PMO strategies have been very aligned in figuring that out and solving those problems. So I just absolutely love that. And so when you shared with me hot off the presses, that PMO outlook report, I was like diving in immediately. And I was like, you know what, we've really got to do a podcast episode about this because there's some really important things that I think the industry needs to hear about what's happening, what's coming and how for some PMO leaders, this is going to be a wake up call. And for others, it's going to be confirmation they're on the right track, but I really want to dive into ways that we can take what we have learned, what we know, and really help support PMO leaders to make an even bigger impact with a lot less headache and frustration along the way. Looking forward to sharing the insights today. Perfect. Okay. So let's just dive right in because I want to hear how this PMO Outlook survey came about. So can you tell me a little bit about the survey and why you did it and kind of the audience of who you talked to and all that? Yeah, for sure. 
I'll first start with why we started to do the survey in the first place. I think we're all well aware of the project management related research that's out there. There's tons of it. Mm -hmm. And we found that there really wasn't anything that was geared specifically to the PMO. And as you know, the challenges of project manager and let's say the director of a PMO can be very different. So we saw a need for this type of research and decided to take on that challenge ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to specifically gain insights for the project management office. So that's why we developed the survey. And this is the second edition of the report itself. We did start this back in 2020. So things were very different then. So a little bit about the survey that drove the insights. So the survey is, was a simple 16 question assessment that specifically targeted challenges and trends and talked about technology in the industry and asked simple kind of demographic questions as well, like title, size of company and industry, just to get a basis of who, you know, who are we talking to or who did we hear from? This specific survey had 106 individuals respond. So a good sample size. And this is an annual survey for us and the report that we publish every January. And we ultimately start gathering the responses end of September, early October. So stay tuned for our 2023. Sounds crazy because it is far away, but I think it is just around the corner. So yeah, I'm realizing that we're now here in the end of March, early April when this is airing. And it just feels like things are just moving so quickly. And we're already like, the summit we started talking about doing is like right around the corner already. <laughs> and there's just so many cool things are coming, but I think that's really how everyone's feeling, right? Like time has just, it feels like it's speeding up and it feels like we just don't have as long as we used to, you know, build a PMO or set up capabilities. I mean, nobody has any patience anymore. And so the pace of change just continues. And we keep saying this, like, Every five years, we're like, oh, the pace of change has increased. It's like, how fast can we possibly go? And yet it seems like we need to keep going faster. So I think it's really interesting. That's that's it. Like that's that's the world we live in now. So we have to make sure that as we look at things like the results of this survey and what it's telling us, you know, one to all to all of you PMO leaders listening out there, just one thing you need to remember is by the time your business leaders have given you the thumbs up, the head nod, the we support you, the funding, put you in the role, you're already behind schedule. And that's kind of the scary thing is that the minute you've started, they want the results tomorrow, right? Because by the time they gave you that authority to go build this PMO, for example, or to go fix it or to go quote unquote, fix project management, then they've had to deal with that problem for months or years, right? So they finally got fed up enough to act. And that will come in handy as you're building out the services and capabilities and you want their support, et cetera. But for now, they're just like, okay, have you fixed my problem yet? What have you done for me lately? Right? So as all of you are listening to what we talk about here today, about the trends, the findings, the insights, what it's telling us, where the real problems are, the underlying root cause problems, pay special attention to the ones that you might be able to start acting on fast. And are you focused on the things that are going to get you the biggest results, the biggest impact quickly? Because you are coming from a place where tomorrow would not be soon enough from your business leader's perspective as to getting things out the door, getting things in their hands, getting some of their pain points addressed. So keep that in mind as we're talking about this. And Rachel, you and I can kind of weave in some recommendations as we go through this on things that they might be able to do. So with that, I'd like to start with an important shift that you noticed is starting to take place. and. I just want to say, I'm really glad that was the data that came out of this because you know, I've been talking about this for years. So talk to me a little bit about the shift that you're starting to see to kind of frame what we're going to cover today. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and I think the change part has a lot to do with that shift, right? Is things are yeah. constantly changing and we're trying to continuously keep up. And I think there has been a significant change that we've seen in the last couple of years. And I think maybe the pandemic has only made that shift even more prominent, but that shift is for the PMO to go from tracking, monitoring, reporting to the management of real business outcomes. As businesses are defining their goals, they're turning to PMO leaders to drive the value that the business expects to accomplish and deliver on those expectations as lofty as they might be. And ultimately, uh, that gives the PMO a seat at the table and to become a crucial value center of business for their organizations. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I say it like that because I don't know. I think I don't know what episode this is going to be when it comes out. I think it'll be 144. So I've been saying that for 144 episodes and, and I'm glad to see that that is bearing fruit, right? Like I'm glad to see that that's really ticking up, right? Because absolutely, this is the experience of the business leader, right? This is the experience of the executives. And so the closer we can align the way we're looking at what we're doing with what the business leaders have been saying for decades and that they want, that they demand, right? Like what they demand from the PMO. I think this is great. It's all about driving the results. It's all about looking at outcomes over outputs, right? And we've been talking about this for a long time and I'm really glad to see, and that's what we'll be doing a lot of Rachel at the PMO Impact Summit is really teaching people how to do the things that we're talking about here. So I'm really excited that we're doing this in advance of the summit because we can say, okay, come to the summit. We're going to tell you exactly what sessions you need to watch to accomplish some of these pain points that we're talking about here. So this is all such good stuff. Okay. So let's keep going a little bit then. So I think that's great. I'm glad we're setting the stage there, but now let's dive into some of these problems that business leaders are seeing, PMO leaders are seeing. Where do you think from the PMO leaders lens, what are the biggest challenges that are facing PMO leaders today that this report uncovered? Yeah. And I think some of these will come at no surprise. Um, and you, you, I'm sure as you were reading through a part, you're, you're saying to yourself, yeah, of course, this Sounds is about it. right. <laughs> yeah. But resource management was the top challenge for PMO leaders today at 48%. I mean, that's almost half of the audience that we got respondents from that said, that's our number one challenge. Yeah. And historically, you know, PMO leaders and project managers have struggled to assign those right resources to the right projects at the right time. However, with 86% of people stating that they don't have enough resources to meet that demand, it kind of begs to question whether the right projects are actually even in flight. And so I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later, but especially when, you know, 100% of executives, 95% of PMO leaders and 86% of project managers all agree they don't have enough resources. It's a pretty big red flag um, that should be addressed. And I think we probably talk about more about that later. In the survey, mm -hmm. we also saw that prioritizing which projects demand the time and attention of those resources is, is a major challenge as well for the PMO. And with some project practitioners still struggling with visibility and reporting, I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit more of that. Um, and then okay. the final challenge that, you know, kind of comes up occasionally here is the fin financial management aspect. PMOs are still expected to manage projects to budgets, having accurate information on the project spend and, you know, right. being their primary concern. So, right, right. Yeah, this makes perfect sense. But here's the thing. And I was just talking to one of my clients about this. You hit the nail on the head. Resource management and the challenges related to the right resources, right places, right times would be a heck of a lot easier if the project portfolio wasn't changing every day, right? If the priorities weren't changing every day, if projects were aligned to strategy correctly and that they stuck with that, right? So 
Most of the time, this resource management problem is actually a symptom of a deeper underlying root cause, which I think came out really loud and clear in this report. Yeah. This is all back to prioritization and strategic alignment, baby. Like that's what your real problem is. And so when we focus on just fixing project management or trying to fix the resource management problem, you know, if you were saying, okay, here's the portfolio of initiatives, this is the alignment to strategy. So we know we're doing the right projects. Here's the initiatives. Let's prioritize them. Let's draw a line at where the resource capacity stops and everything above the line gets done and things below the line will be staggered in throughout the year as resources become available. If we did that, we wouldn't have a resource problem. (laughs) And so that's why when I see, well, 100% of executives, 95% of PMO leaders, 86% of project managers all say that they don't have enough resources. That's not the problem. They have what I call Thanksgiving eyes, Rachel, which means (laughs) that they get these huge, you know, for those of you listening, not in the US, whatever the big family holiday is where everybody gets together and gets out the really big plates and everybody goes, you know, through all the food and they just put so much food on their plates and they then wonder why they feel sick afterwards and they can't digest it all. Right. It's because they tried to take on more than they could possibly handle. And this case is their digestive system, but I think it's the same with organizations. How much could they possibly process at one time? Right. So I think that I'm not at all surprised to see that resource management came out loud and clear as a problem. And I'm also not in surprised that people don't realize many of them, that that's the symptom when the root cause is actually something bigger. And that's why we spin so much in trying to address things like resource management, why it's such a challenge. And it's because it's not the underlying root cause until you do the surgical intervention to fix it. You're just going to keep putting band-aids on a geyser. So it's just, that's, that's going to happen. Right. So That's one challenge I think we're facing that I really, and I know that we're going to keep diving into that and going more, but those of you that want to hear more about this particular topic, episode 134, 135, 136 are all episodes starting with 134, where I looked at the stages of strategy, definition, delivery, and strategy realization, and looked at where you can actually focus to fix the problems and what kind of problems you should be fixing at what stage. And that may help them kind of die, you know, anyone listening, if you want to dive deeper onto any of those topics, after you finish listening to this episode, go check those out next, put those on your download list to listen to after this. All right. So let's keep going, Rachel. Let's, can we dive in a little bit more into what the numbers, the details of the numbers on resource management, prioritization, financial management, visibility and reporting, like let's dive into those a little bit more and kind of tackle them one at a time. Yeah, for sure. So The element that most project practitioners identified as the most challenging for resource management was capacity planning. Surprise, surprise. You just said that, right? Yeah. And it's encouraging to see that capacity planning is at the top of the list because it indicates that there's growing maturity in PMOs, right? And that they are likely overcoming some of the kind of other obstacles of managing external resources or skill tracking or utilization at a much better capacity there, but still struggling with that capacity planning aspect. So 43% said that that was the most challenging part there. And I think it is important to highlight for prioritization that, you know, going back to what you were saying is most project leaders are still saying that, you know, saying no to a project is the number one challenge for them when it comes to prioritization. I mean, sometimes, you know, you think of this whole project in, project out, project in, project out. And really sometimes saying no to those projects uh, could be one of the most 
beneficial <laughs> components to, to your strategy. And I think there's two keys that we talk about in the shift of the PMO in general is that that strategic alignment is becoming increasingly important mm-hmm. and prioritizing the right project is really the right answer versus prioritizing all of the projects, right? So it's other challenges that are faced in prioritization were, you know, accurately scoring the value of portfolio projects. You talked about delivering the most valuable set. And I think, uh, you know, at 23%, there's still a good amount of people that are saying, you know, that's still a challenge for us. And so identifying, you know, how do we put value numbers to those corporate strategies and aligning them specifically is a key for, you know, going forward and looking at that. And then I guess as far as financial management, it's important to note that challenges related to financial management, even though it wasn't a dominating factor in the report, there are two areas that were specifically highlighted of forecasting portfolio project costs and then further indicating accurate financial data. Well, what was concerning is that 18% are still using that as a measurement of project success or failure. And I think we'll talk about some of that misalignment coming up, but making sure that you're talking about success in, in both ways, what in both how you measure it and then how you're able to, you know, say, okay, was that a success at the end throughout? So, um, and then I guess just to touch on the last one that you said, visibility and reporting, um, some project practitioners are still identifying that as a challenge, which no surprise there, but this indicates that some teams are still using spreadsheets or disparate systems that don't lend themselves well to the level of visibility needed for an effective portfolio management strategy. And Another challenge that is noted is that there's a lack of integrated project-related data from systems for the PMO. So having that integrated or centralized view is really, really key to making those strategic decisions and being able to keep up with those changes that you talked about earlier too, is adapting and pivoting Uh, without the data, you don't have the strategic insight to make those decisions. Yeah, for sure. And that's really the challenge that we have here is that a lot of people are, and again, we can talk about this more as we keep going, but a lot of project managers and PMO leaders and organizations, because we, you know, the executives we've trained to think this way are measuring their success on the triple constraint, time, scope, and cost. So that tells you that you've gotten really good at measuring outputs and great. So you're good at getting to outputs, but none of that tells you whether or not the project was worth doing in the first place, if it achieved the intended business benefits, if the cost spent was worth the return that they're getting, right? ROI. Every business leader in every organization, now they don't look just at ROI, but they do look at return on investment, the worth it factor for doing this. And it's not always dollars. So it's great that we're focusing on financial reporting and we do need to know what our costs are, but that's not a success criteria, right? And I think that's some of the challenges that we're we need to redefine our value just the way the PMO, as PMO leaders, you don't, you guys don't want to be thought of as cost centers. Well, stop using costs to define your value, right? They'll say, well, we're managing a portfolio of a hundred million dollars. That's your cost. So are you a cost management office or are you a value management office? Are you a value delivery office? You need to know cost, but if you keep defining your success that way and, or your failure, then we're just perpetuating the problem of everyone thinking that the money you spend is the best you can expect as far as the value you're achieving. And that shouldn't be the case at all. Hopefully you're getting a 2X, a 3X, a 4X, a 10X, a 100X of what you're spending in return for that investment, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great frame of reference is, yeah, the gone are the days that cost center becomes, you know, what you want your PMO to be seen as, right? 
is just right. managing the, the budget and that type of thing. But, you know, you really want to be the value driver and I think, or impact driver as, as you would say, as your as part of your organization, right? Making that impact and gaining your seat at the table to really drive that strategic value. So you found some key insights and I was really interested in those key insights, takeaways that came from what you saw in this data. Now we're going to get more into like looking at success and things like that, but you had some interesting takeaways that I thought were really important and kind of a shift in how we think about this PMO. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think we talked about kind of those two top problems that yeah. you know, leaders are facing and that's resource management and project prioritization. And I think yeah. we're identifying as the results-driven PMO is what PMOs need to be, right? right? Executives are challenging PMOs to think beyond their traditional, you know, yeah project tracking and reporting and focus on delivering those measurable business results. And I think just this results-driven PMO mindset is continually reevaluating your portfolio projects, mm-hmm. understanding your available and constrained resources and adapting to that change quickly to ensure that strategic value is delivered regardless of the pivots that you know may come your way. But right. I think being almost a proactive PMO as well is, is driving what that results-driven PMO would want to, to provide. Amen. Absolutely. (laughs) So now our impact drivers listening are saying, okay, that's great, but what are the metrics I should be using? Like, how do I define success? If it's not about the triple constraint, how should we be redefining, you know, these metrics that we use to show the value that we're creating for the organization? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way the PMO has been measured in the past hasn't mirrored exactly what describes or determines their success, right? So let me say that in a different way is, you know, how they are measured, how the PMO is measured is not how the PMO is determined for success. And I think the top way of PMOs uh, of how they're being measured today is, I guess, based on the support is on time and on budget, Right. but the top indicator that your project has failed is not in fact that the project is delayed or over budget, but that it doesn't meet the stakeholders, you know, expectations. So that highlights a disconnect between the business level priorities, which in my mind is, you know, the strategic initiatives of the business and then your project level delivery. And those two things should be in sync. You know, one thing that was encouraging to see is that this year compared to last year, there's far more organizations that are measuring their PMO on one, delivering the most valuable project mix and two, driving the business forward. And I think those two areas coincide with that shift that I talked about earlier of the PMO going from a cost center to a value center um, in an organization. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And this is really interesting. So I was not really surprised to see that there's a mismatch between how PMO leaders are defining project success and project failure and how the business leaders are. But I think it's a really important thing I want to pause on and make sure that everyone picked up from here, which is that the way your business leaders are defining success of that project is not based on on time and on budget. And if they are, it's because you trained them that that's the only questions they can ask. And so they're asking the questions you've told them, this is all we know how to answer. And they're trying to use that as an indicator. However, what they really care about is, are we doing the right projects? Are we achieving the business benefits that we intended to achieve? And I guess that translates to stakeholder satisfaction, right? For a lot of our PMs and PMO leaders, but it's really, did we get the bang for our buck, right? Like that's what we're really asking here. What is the worth it factor for this project? If you don't want to think ROI or return on investment, think worth it factor. And 
if you think, oh no, I'm not a business leader. I don't think in ROI, please. You've been using that to make decisions about your life from like toddler age, right? Is this worth doing? Like, as a toddler, am I going to listen to my parent right now? Is it worth it to put this candy in my mouth when my parents are telling me I shouldn't, right? Is the return worth the investment? We make these decisions every day, all the time. So this is not something that is uh, sacred to the C-suite, right? Everybody should be asking the worth it factor questions. And I'm glad to see that this report even called out the business leaders are but we also need to make sure that all of you as impact drivers, as PMO leaders are also looking at that same thing. So if you want your seat at the table, if you want your business leaders to take you seriously, you need to be looking at the project success and your portfolio success through the same lens your business leaders are looking at it and have conversations with them from that angle, from that perspective, instead of from the on time, on scope, on budget perspective. It's great to have that information. It is useful information. It is not what determines your success or failure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the toddler example just was a little bit ring home for me as my, I I have a toddler (laughs) myself um, and happened to go through the same thing last night with a rice crispy, but um, (laughs) yeah, no, I think, I mean, the worth it factor it is, you know, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the other side of this, which is project failure. We've been talking about project success, but let's talk about a little bit about project failure. Not enough resources and scope creep seem to be the two biggest challenges. And this is where I kind of want to focus in on, is that really the problem or is that really a symptom? So can you tell me a little bit about what your report found? Yeah, for sure. So um, as you mentioned, yeah, 42% were saying that scope or creep or scope creep or unrealistic deadlines is the number one reason. And then followed by not enough resources to meet demand, which we had obviously talked about before. It was encouraging, I guess, to see that the lack of communication, no executive support, and no clear objective or milestones have had minimal impact. So this shows that PM, PMOs are getting better at communicating their progress, right, Great. to executive. Executives are gaining greater visibility into the impact, and objectives and milestones are being identified early on rather than right. later on to avoid kind of project failure at a, at a greater level. But yeah, I think ultimately those two top areas, right, kind of lean back to what we had talked about at the beginning of the podcast here, that resources, is that the problem? Right. Mm, I I think I would beg to differ on that one. So, right. For sure. And so, okay, great. So we've gotten better communicating. We've gotten better at keeping our executives with us through the process and getting their support to achieve the outcomes, not just outputs. And we are getting better at planning so that the objectives or milestones are clear. Great. So we're starting from a good place. And then the portfolio shifts or the strategy shifts and the projects aren't aligned to it or the projects aren't aligned to it from the start. And so everyone's kind of doing hodgepodge, whatever they want to do, as opposed to what the prioritization was they all agreed to two weeks ago, two months ago, et cetera. So then things start to fall apart. And that's where I think the real challenge is. This is what these statistics tell me is that we're starting off great with the best intentions and then reality hits. And you got those, you know, mavericks in your organization and they're probably like your boss and the executives, right? And that's really <laughs> where the problem is. And they're like, oh, I know I said that, but this is actually really a priority right now. Or yeah, that's fine. That's what the strategic things are. But us over here in IT, we have our own list of priorities that we're going to do separately, right? And that's where I think the train kind of gets off the track. So 
what we need to get good at as PMO leaders is saying, okay, got it. We're getting good at starting from the right place, but this is something we've really got to pay attention to so that when we see these symptoms of the projects needing more resources or us not getting good at the resource management or those other kinds of challenges we're experiencing around scope creep, et cetera, we got to get a handle on that because that's where things start to break. The underlying root causes is that lack of continued enforcement of the priorities, continued alignment with strategy and helping business leaders focus and make decisions based on what they've one already agreed to and two, that they understand the impacts of these changes, right? Rachel, that's one of the big problems that we see a lot of PMO leaders facing is they're like, okay, but they've told me I have to and teach me how to say no. And that's the mistake. You don't need to say no to your business leaders. You actually need to say yes and, meaning yes and here's what it's going to take to do what you were just asked to do, right? So instead of just trying to shove the changes under the rug and pretend like they're not really going to have an impact, scope creep can be addressed proactively by saying you can absolutely have that change. And here's what it's going to take. Because when we try to decide for our executives what they can and can't have, we're stepping outside of our bounds. It's not our position to say no. If they want to change the scope and they're willing to extend the date or add the resources or pay more for it or whatever else we've got to do, because that is a triple constraint conversation, right? So if they want to do those things, they absolutely can. But we, so we don't need to say no. We just need to say, yes, we absolutely can accommodate this. Are you willing to do that with these consequences? Another project's going to have to move out or we're going to need more funding or whatever that consequence is. Is it worth it? And it might very well be, Rachel, that's part of the challenge I think where the PMO has overstepped its bounds is that sometimes PMO leaders will say, well, sorry, no, we've got this strict governance board process and our change control board isn't, we can't get you on the schedule for three months. So you can't have this change. That's not our place. Our place is to present the information so that they can make educated and informed decisions and hold them accountable for making those decisions as opposed to us trying to make those decisions for them. That's not our place. We are the facilitators of the change. So we don't have to bear the burden of just saying yes without the and. And we also don't have to bear the burden of saying no. That's not our position. We just have to say absolutely. And here are the consequences. And if you're good with that, we are going to document this decision. We are going to act accordingly. We are going to communicate this effectively to all involved. And we are going to make sure everybody understands and reacts to the downstream effects of this, right? So if you do all of those things, that's all good, right? So we don't have to bear that burden ourselves, but we have to do those steps to keep that prioritization process and that scope creep, you know, scope creeps fine. You, it's how you react to it. Because at the end of the day, the reason for that scope change is probably a good business reason. And so we don't want to shut down actually getting to a better outcome for the sake of perfecting our outputs. And that's kind of the moral of the story in all of this. We don't have to feel like we have to own and carry the burden of all of this and suffer it in silence. It's not ours to own. Put that accountability back on the people that are trying to make all these changes, right? Like that's where it belongs. Let them have it. Let them make the decisions and be very super clear on the consequences. We are letting our executives off the hook 
for what they're really accountable for, which isn't just coming in and messing everything up and walking away. It's coming in and saying, okay, here's the changes I want to make. And we say, absolutely, we can do that. And here's what it's going to take. Is that worth it for you? Let's start building that ROI conversation into every conversation we're having going forward. And I think we'll see much better results and it won't feel so hard to tackle those underlying root causes that are really where the changes and the challenges are coming from. Yeah. And I think one thing, I guess, just to kind of follow up on that is, you know, 62% of people from the report said at least 10% of their portfolio failed, you know, likely indicating, you know, not a few projects were cut, you know, or missing targets, but a strong proportion were just underperforming or, you know, not aligned to what the initiatives were to, to begin with. And I think a key there is, you know, a solution is to implement a tool that would be able to support those portfolio initiatives, right? So track their progress, be able to say, okay, what if, you know, we insert this project and, you know, what are the implications of that? But having the software to be able to show, okay, great. This is what you'll, you know, miss out on if you make that change, or these are the resources we need in order for that change to, you know, be a a successful one for the business. And I think in the 2021 edition of the PMO Outlook report, we cited 30% of respondents were still using spreadsheets or free tools, you know, yeah. 2022 that's down to 21%. So that shift is also met that correlating percentage, you know, saying that 22% of project portfolio management software was used in 2021 and 2022 has that up to 28%, you know, so people are seeing that shift and highlighting that importance of that centralized data for those decisions and being able to, you know, come to your executives and say, great, I'd love to be able to do that for you, but this is, you know, the implications of that, or, you know, understanding just that those real-time insights can help you make those insight-led decisions for those business outcomes uh, in the end. And ultimately ensuring your PMO is set up for success by defining those metrics we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. based on business goals, and then measuring those effectively. Right, for sure. 100%. This is great. Yes. Everything you just said. Amen. (laughs) That's it. And that's the thing is that we have to be, we have to be smart about it, right? Because one of the challenges I see when people try to implement technology, for example, to solve some of these challenges is that they implement it before they figured out what business problem they're solving, or how they need to solve it, right? I always say never go tool first, Figure out the business problems you're solving, what the ideal process is for your organization, what questions you need to ask and what questions you need to be able to answer. And then once you do that, it becomes the requirements for the solution that you can go out and get because you absolutely should be automating your admin. You should be streamlining. You should be letting technology make your lives easier, right? Like I am so sick of hearing, oh, well, you know, technology and AI is going to make PMO role go away. Listen. If your job is going to go away with automation, then you were doing administrative work in the beginning, right? Like you are doing administrative work and we want to get rid of that because the real value, the real impact for all of you as impact drivers is being able to do the people work, bringing people through the change, looking at things like where's our really underlying root cause that we need to address. All that kind of stuff is the, the art of PMO, of change leadership, of business leadership, of strategic alignment, of facilitating prioritization. That's where we should be spending our time. And we should be using technology to enable us to do that more effectively and make our entire process more efficient. But first we got to figure out what the problem is we're solving and now we're solving it. And this 
report makes it kind of clear the difference between some of these, you know, symptoms and those underlying root causes and where you really do need to focus your energy if you want to fix it. For all of you listening, go back to episode 134 and start there when you're we're finished with this episode and you'll see exactly what I mean and some specific things you can do to start addressing these very pain points. And of course, I did that one before this Outlook report was out. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly Rachel. This is exactly what we were just talking about. So I'm really glad this was great timing. So I'm really excited about that. So I have another question for you. Now that we've set the stage with all of this and we've told them what the problems are, what the challenges are, what they should be doing differently, what is your advice? And I've been kind of sprinkling mine in throughout this whole thing, but Rachel, what is your advice for PMO leaders? What do they go do now? Like, okay, great. Got it. You gave me all this information. This resonates really clearly with me with the challenges we're experiencing. Oh, didn't think about those root causes. That makes perfect sense. Or maybe they did, but they don't know what to do next. What is your advice for all of our PMO leaders listening today as to what do they go do right now? Yeah, I think there's there's a few things. I think we talked about the shift of the role of the PMO from a cost center to a value center. And I think this means that your alignment with your business is absolutely crucial. So identifying those business initiatives, strategic goals, all of those things, and making sure that your portfolio is set up to deliver and execute on those and deliver those real outcomes um, for the business. And I think too, as PMO leaders are turning to software, you mentioned that, you know, you need to be at the right stage for that. We absolutely agree, right? You need to have um, some of those process things figured out, how you want things to be worked before you come to a solution like Keyed In. But I think those insights that a software solution provides are a requirement for a results-driven PMO. Like I mentioned before, you know, using spreadsheets or just read tools is decreasing. And I think the norm or the you know standard of PMO leadership is looking to these strategic tools to support those you know initiatives. And um, Keaton obviously would be happy to talk further on that. And then lastly, I think real-time portfolio data is crucial for prioritizing those right projects. I think one of the key themes that came out of this report, and Laura, we talked about it here today, but prioritizing your projects and allocating your resources is absolutely crucial to your PMO success. Saying no to projects, making sure that you have your most valuable project portfolio mix, understanding that your portfolio needs to align with those strategic initiatives and ensuring that that portfolio mix is right there. So those are kind of three of the the takeaways that, that I see. And I think ultimately the PMO Impact Summit coming up in May is gonna be an absolutely exciting event uh, to attend. And if, if you haven't registered yet, whenever you're listening to this, you absolutely should. Um, what are because, you waiting for? <laughs> yeah. What are you waiting for? Insert commercial. Um, yeah. But no, it, it's truly going to be all about you. And I think mm-hmm. Laura does a great job of putting you PMO leaders first. And I think we like to say that, you know, we're people that care about your success. Um, yeah. So I think it'll be a great event and you'll have some key takeaways from that event and hopefully some great conversations that we have there and after the event too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is just, I second all of that. I think that's absolutely wonderful, Rachel. And I would like to, as we wrap up here today, read your quote from page 10, which I think just hit the nail on the head. And by the way, for all of you listening, the full report, we will link it right from this episode so that you can go right to the report 
And so you'll just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash 144. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash 144. And we'll link you right to this report uh, that Keaton has done so that you can see all of this firsthand. But I want to read for you what you say on page 10. Rise of the results-driven PMO. This just was perfect to me. As PMOs strive to meet the challenges of becoming a value driver in an organization, it becomes apparent that a new approach and outlook must be taken. And here's what's really important. What separates those that rise to this challenge versus those that struggle to execute is how they are able to shift from processes to outcomes. I'm going to say that one more time because those of you driving, multitasking, exercising, I want you to hear this really clearly. What separates those, all of you PMO leaders that rise to this challenge of shifting to this results-driven PMO versus those that struggle to execute is how they are able to shift from processes to outcomes. Results-driven PMOs differ from traditional PMOs in that they incorporate strategic planning and management. Again, go back and listen to episode 134 for more on that. Many have started to adopt this model, allowing for greater business impact. I mean, it's like I wrote it myself, Rachel. (laughs) I know, I know. She's talking outcome. She's talking impact. Be still my beating heart. But I think that just tells a really clear story about what the data is telling you. And this isn't just from this survey, Rachel. This is like what you all have been seeing in trends for years. Same thing I've been seeing. This tells a really important story about all of you as impact drivers, where you need to go from today is making that shift, that pivot from defining your success by how well you perfect your processes to achieve outputs and instead focus on how you can maximize that return on investment by focusing on achieving business outcomes and greater impact for your organization. So absolutely wonderful, Rachel, that this just, that just nailed it on the head for me. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. No, I, I couldn't have, uh, you did write it. (laughs) I did write it. I did write it. (laughs) That's because you know what you're doing, Rachel. Hey, the so, data speaks for itself, Laura. I, I did not make up that. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's funny. You say you've been talking about it for years, but it's great, I guess. And this is the reason we did the survey in the first place, right? Is we wanted yeah. this data to back up these um, strategic conversations we've been having with our clients and with our prospects. And it's true. All of this stuff is true. And now we have, you know, the data to back it up. Absolutely. And it just continues to build on the trends that we're seeing and the direction that PMO leaders need to head. So all of you impact drivers listening, your seat at the table is within reach. Your opportunity for the greatest impact in your organization is absolutely within your reach. And I invite you to join us at the PMO Impact Summit coming up here in May. Just go to PMOImpactSummit.com, register now for free and check out all that we have coming for you in this two-day fantastic event. So I look forward to seeing you there. And Rachel, thank you so much. I definitely look forward to seeing you there. And I really appreciate all of your support and Keaton's support in partnering with us to help make this event possible and keeping it free for our community so that we can make sure no PMO leader is left behind on our journey to make a greater impact and build a results-driven, aka impact engine, PMO. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Laura. I appreciate it. 
All right, Impact Drivers, thank you so much for being here for this episode. I hope you absolutely loved everything that you learned today, and I hope you are inspired and energized to go check out this report, sign up for the summit. I cannot wait to see all of you there. I am doing a live workshop, a PMO health assessment workshop, and that will be on the first of the two days. And as a part of that, we're going to lay out your plan for the sessions that you should participate in for the summit and your next steps with your PMO. So you will not want to miss that. So make sure that you are there and I cannot wait to help you build a even higher impact PMO. Bye-bye for now.